Has one of the major grading companies made grading a lot easier in secret? Some people on the internet seem to think so. We've got that topic and more today on Cards on the Table. Hello, sports card investors and collectors. Welcome back to another episode of Cards on the Table, our fast-paced talk show where we talk about topics from the world of sports cards. I'm back in the captain's seat. Jeff is out this week with his family on spring break, and I've got Ben filling in. Ben, always great to have you back, sir. I just like filling in mostly because it means Jeff isn't here. I, for one, could get used to this. Ben, how are you? <laughs> Keep going. You no, we're, we're going to fight through it. You pulled the Jeff. That's all right. Doug, how are you doing, sir? <laughs> Never better. Thanks yeah. for asking. We did it last week. We did it this week. You, yeah. I got called Doug. You got called Doug. Everybody's okay. Yeah. Everybody misses so, me when I'm not that's right. around. That's but right. When Jeff's not no, around. That's not true. Yeah. Party. All right. So we've got a really interesting topic this week. And there are some people on forums as well as in person. I had one person email me. There have been a couple videos suggesting that Beckett, BGS, may be making a big shift toward making it a lot easier to get a BGS 10 pristine. We all know PSA with their 10 and the 9, SGC with the 10.959, but the 10 being you know still attainable 30-40% gem rate on the SGC 10. And CSG formally made a big announcement, what, a year ago or so, that they were modifying their grading scale to make it significantly easier to get that half grade up so to get, actually get a 10. Beckett has been notorious for a 9.5 being a gem mint grade, 10 pristine being somewhat elusive, right around the 1% to 2% mark, and black labels nearly unattainable. So some people are suggesting that Beckett has secretly made it easier to get a 10, a pristine. There's some evidence they're saying they they sub a lot to Beckett. One guy said he went to the Burbank show and did some on-site grading and got a much higher 10 rate than he's ever gotten before. And so a couple of things. We asked our friend Ryan at GemRate to run the data for the last few months and show us what percentage of cards coming through GemRate, uh, GemRate's data through Beckett are actually showing as having gotten a pristine 10. And he broke it out here by total, by sports cards, and by TCG and non-sports cards. And one thing that we do know, it is significantly easier, especially with Pokemon cards, to get a 10 and to get a black label. I used to have a, a black label search on eBay and I had to back out Pokemon because it was just always Pokemon cards coming through. Now, the data here does not seem to suggest that it has gotten significantly easier to get a 10. What you can see is actually it was 0.7% of cards back in August. That's very low. But then we saw two months in October and December at 2.4%, a dip to 1.4 and 1.9. So there's, you know, within the normal boundaries, anywhere from 1.6 to 2.4% here. This data does not suggest that it has gotten a lot easier. The other piece of information really important is that the PSA 10 we know commands a significant premium. If I look at our intelligence reports here, I ran this for 2017 and 2018 Prism Basketball, and there are quite a few cards on here. The average multiplier over sales from the last 14 days came out to 1.7x for a PSA 10 over BGS 9.5. This De'Aaron Fox card showed at 3x. These are sales within you know a week of each other. $555 for the PSA 10 Blue Prism versus $185 for the BGS 9.5. So Doug, what are your thoughts on this overall? Do you think this would be secretly happening? Do you think that Beckett should actually make a change? I think it's probably not secretly happening thanks to GemRate. You know, Ryan does really good work, so shout out to Ryan and GemRate on that. But I don't think it would be the worst idea if they followed that CSG model 
and maybe kind of change the scale a little bit, the one thing you probably worry about, you know, when you do something like that is watering down the population of tins. And yep. that, that's what Beckett has going for it right now, in my opinion, is that the tins and the black labels are prestigious and it needs to stay that way. So I think, you know, if they were to keep black labels as rare as they are now and have that be like the ultimate chase, but maybe make tins more attainable, that's not the worst decision they could ever make. And honestly, what we would probably see is something similar as, you know, when, when CSG made this change, there was a really good arbitration opportunity yep. there yep. because once they make that change and, and tens become the norm instead of nine fives, the nine fives really tank in value. Nine fives with, with good subgrades become a really good buying opportunity as they start to fall in price, buy those, crack them and send them to PSA, or even send them back to BGS and get the 10 instead of the 9.5 right, on it and get right. value out of that. Um, but, you know, the psychology is there. We talked about it on a recent episode. 9.5 compared to 10, it's just going to affect people's thought process. So, you know, might not be the worst idea. Yeah, the modern collectors, people who have come into the hobby the last few years, they don't understand the 9.5 being comparable, supposed to be comparable to the 10. They just don't get it. People comment on videos that I did even one month ago where I compared the different grading companies and said, why are you comparing PSA 10 to a BGS 9.5? They just don't understand yeah. it. I have to respond, well, that's the gem mint for BGS, right? So Ben, what's your take on this? You know, Do you think any funny businesses go on or should they actually make a change? Well, if there's any funny business going on, they've kind of stunk at it, right? <laughs> I mean, the, the, the numbers rates that, haven't gone up. Yeah, yeah, the rates have not gone up. So if they, if they are trying to fix something um, or change it there, done a pretty bad job, so turn that around. But in general, I kind of disagree with, with Doug a little bit here. I think they do need to make a little bit of a change to the grading scale. The bottom line is that the 9.5, huge delta between the PSA 10, PSA, I think we can objectively agree, has created a massive delta uh, over the other grading companies. I think there was probably a stretch there where a lot of people were elevating you know, BGS was at the top, then PSA overtook it, and then now I think a lot of people have elevated SGC over Beckett. And I, I know that historically Beckett has been looked at as this crown jewel, you get the subgrades, but the market has decided. You know, we didn't decide, influencers yep. didn't decide, the market holistically has decided that the 9.5, huge delta, yep. you know, the grading scale I think needs to be adjusted, and then in general, I know a lot of people talk about the subgrades. It's it's super important. I personally don't particularly care for the subgrades. Um, oh, it doesn't. It doesn't. So the the bottom line for me is, I don't actually care what the reasoning was. the The number is the number. Gotcha. It, me sitting there saying, oh, the the corners are are nines instead of tens. It doesn't actually affect it for me. So the market, I think, largely agrees with me or else we wouldn't see that big of a delta. So I wouldn't hate for them to get rid of subgrades. Yeah. And then I think normalizing the overall grading scale, again, Beckett I don't think did anything particularly wrong, but the market has largely decided that it's really not that important. They like the grading scale that we see with CSG, with SGC, with PSA. Sometimes you have to adapt or die. Yeah. And I think that this is, this is a good opportunity. The market decided this, no one else. It would be really interesting to see how they would do this if they decide to make a change because CSG did it you know, relatively quickly yep. and it was easier, right? And then they had a whole process, send your nine fives back in and you'll be in, you know, we can yeah. put them in a 10 or put them in the new label. They did a label swap at the same time that they did the grading mm -hmm. change. Beckett is like, would they make it so that the subgrades still are the same, but like 
rank up to a 10 instead of down to a 9.5 or something differently? Would they just make it easier? Would they have to tell all their graders who yeah. are trained, start making it easier? And then what about all those BGS sure. 10s historically and the black labels? Lots of questions around execution for that. It remains to be seen. I personally think it would be a great idea. I'm just curious. They'd have to put their heads together and really nail the execution on it. So good topic, interesting topic. Grading is always one of our most popular ones. Mm -hmm. Now we're heading on to our data dive from last week. But before we do that, as usual, a few items from Pristine this week. Ben, what are you looking at in their weekly auctions? So I'm always looking to add players that I don't own a lot of in my collection. They have a Randy Moss autographed helmet. Ooh. Don't buy the card, folks. Ooh. Just get the whole freaking helmet. <laughs> wow. It's blacked out. It's got you know alternate helmet, yellow ink on the auto. So freaking cool. I do think at some point getting a little, uh, some helmets would be really cool. Uh, Doug, what are you looking at? I actually looked at some Randy Moss stuff. That's my favorite football player of all time. But I also just found out he's going to be at a card show very soon that I'm not going to be oh. at. So I'm very sad about right. it. I don't even want to think about Randy. So instead, <laughs> uh, I see on there an autographed 86 Fleer Larry Bird sticker. It's a PSA authenticated slab. I love autographs on 86 Fleer. You know, Jeff has that whole set. I'm yep. super jealous of it. This might be an opportunity for me to get one of those in my collection. Very cool. I'm looking at an Aaron Judge X-Fractor PSA 9 rookie card. Nothing too crazy. I'm a sucker for X-Fractors, and those cards have come down about 50% since their high point yep. last fall. So if Judge has another big season, it could be a good one. Uh, let's shift into Data Dive this week. Last week, I did something a little bit different, kind of almost a product review. But this was bigger than just a product review. This had to do with, I think, what is a fundamental shift happening with Tops and Fanatics. And obviously, that was a big part of our conversation last week. So I gave some honest thoughts on Tops Series 1. There were some big changes. Uh, one of the things I really liked, they stepped up their insert game this year. Tops notoriously not as strong with their inserts as Panini and not nearly as strong as older companies used to be. The big downside, or at least in a lot of people's eyes, is that retail is now just brutal. I mean, you mm -hmm. basically just can't get anything. You're having to open hanger box after hanger box. Hangers are anti-bangers now compared to what they were last year with 2022 products. So that was a big shift. I gave some thoughts on that. Uh, ben, what are your reactions to Top Series 1 or just to that shift away from retail? There's a lot to take away from Series 1. In general, I think it was a really nice step forward overall. Again, huge in my eyes gap between tops and panini when it comes to inserts i think inserts have become really key chases in the hobby over the last few years and all aces think it's absolutely fantastic yeah, it's great. really great card looks great in hand i want to see more of that really thoughtful stuff um do not like some of the print run issues that we're seeing with like you said some of the retail configurations yeah. um i know people have really put a premium on buying jumbo boxes, but you have to give people a reason to buy some of these retail configurations. You have to be yeah. thoughtful with what goes into those things. I think Panini has done a little bit better of a job for that, but I will actually say that one of my favorite things that they've done is the SSP being printed on the back. Right on the back, yes, you can see I, it. I think it is a quality of life change that right now, Tops, Panini, Upper Deck, everybody, print the name of the parallel on the back. Yeah. Just do it. Just do it. Especially if we're putting so much more of a premium on all of these parallels in the yep. ultra modern hobby. Just put the name on the back. Yep. We don't need to be looking at three different blues and wondering is it aqua, aquamarine, sky blue, you know, navy blue, like some of them come out in a very similar color. Just put it on the back, put man. It on the back. 
just put it on the back. So I, I actually, that was the thing I was most excited for. It's a small quality of life change, but it's a big one for it's me. It's a nice improvement. It's yes. a nice improvement. Doug, what stands out to you? That's actually my favorite thing about hockey products. The first time I ever ripped hockey, I noticed that all the parallel names are on the back. So, and they're all vastly different than what I'm used to. So I could just turn it over and yeah. you know keep going seamlessly. So as everybody who watches this show probably knows, I'm not the world's biggest baseball guy, right? So I have to rely on someone who is a baseball guy, and that's, for me, Scotty B. Sure. So I've cannibalized some of Scotty B's content, uh, Scotty B cards on YouTube. He's actually been doing really well over the past month, so keep up the good work. Um, but he broke down the checklist, or rather the print run for Series 1. I found it rather interesting. So it looks like for a hobby according to some numbers that they may have increased print run on hobby for series one by up to 30 percent yeah sounds about right total amount of cards printed just in hobby maybe over 50 million cards printed it's a staggering number so i saw the video saw that number i paused it and i processed it and the very first thing that popped in my head was if fanatics wants to grow the hobby by 10x like they've said previously do they want to grow print runs by 10x for some of their flagship stuff to match that? They have to. That would be super scary. Uh, then I press play and I watch the rest of his video. And one thing I was encouraged by is that it looks like the pull rates for both Hobby and Jumbo have actually increased, which is great. But that means somebody else is, you know, taking that hit and it looks like it's going to be retail, right? Yeah. So retail pull hits, you know, the, the pull rates rather are going to go down. But Hobby and Jumbo going to go up, and I feel like that probably should be the case. Yeah. I mean, the more expensive yeah. products should have the better yeah. pool rates. Yeah. But, you know, to Ben's point earlier, you, you know, retail's got to have something. There's yeah. got to be a reason to buy it. I think so. they went a little too far. There's got to be a case yep. hit chase in yeah. every product. Add yeah. something unique, unique retail-only inserts. They could have made home field advantage retail-only, sure. which would have been a nice touch. You got to be able, it's the gateway into the hobby for a lot of people. You got to be able to get something out of it, or you're just not going to come back. So... All right, that does it for our data dive recap. Let's jump into a message with this ad. Right, guys and gals make sure to go download that absolutely free sports card investor app in the app store we know you're going to love it and now we get into our mailbag topics for the week these are the topics from the questions you ask us down in the comments so make sure to let us know your questions and we'll get to answer them next week or in the upcoming weeks and our first mailbag topic this week has to do with panini and the topic that came up last week with fanatics which is that they are chopping certain products they're just thinning out they're going to have a specific product set, getting rid of some of the stuff that's less popular. And so now the question begs, should Panini follow their lead? Should Panini do the same thing? We've seen a lot of novelty in the last few years. A lot of products kind of come and go. Ben, I'm going to start with you. Should Panini get rid of certain products? Do they need to make big changes? I think a little bit of both. You know, I'm not going to call out specific products that I think should be cut. Because I boring. <laughs> okay, fair. Um, you know, okay, Crown Royale, I said it, whatever, it is what it is. But in general, I think a lot of these products just need a little bit of massaging, you know, especially for me with Panini, that mid to like mid to high tier yeah. set of cards, 
I think a lot of those sets leave a lot to be desired. There are a couple exceptions, things like Court Kings that have a really good a really good chase in it with Blank Slate. Yeah. But then you start to get to products, and these are some of my favorites, like Noir, and I've talked about Spectra on the show previously, so yeah. I have to say it again, but they're at a really terrible price point. Yeah. Once you're starting to get into uh, price per card being over like $100, yeah. then you're getting into this ultra premium tier. And the way that I look at it is as cool as Noir is, if you have that bankroll, if you can spend $2,000 on a hobby box, yeah. why wouldn't you just get flawless? You know, why wouldn't you just, you know, I, I think the, the group of people that are buying those products are probably just going to opt for Immaculate yeah. or National Treasures. And it puts it in a really weird spot. And then also, I don't think those products are always thoughtful enough to warrant it. Yeah. So I don't necessarily want to see a ton of stuff cut, but there needs to be some major adjustments to make that middle group really, really worth it. Okay, so Ben's in the rebalance camp. Doug, what do you say? Yeah, actually, that makes me think of a question. You know, is Spectra the worst value in, in hobby products? You're so stupid. Maybe, maybe <laughs> that needs to be a topic in a future episode. So this whole thing is not as nearly as easy as it might sound because Ben and I have actually had a very similar discussion on a podcast that never got aired. And what I discovered was that as I was talking about some of my least favorite products and, you know, get rid of this, get rid of that, uh, what, what I discovered is that just because I, doesn't, I don't like it does not mean that that might not be somebody else's favorite set or, you know, maybe it's the set they can afford. So, you know, take it away because I don't like it and then somebody else's heart's broken. So it's, yeah. not, it's not so cut and dry. Yeah. But that said, Donruss Elite is out. Playbook is out. Certified is out. Gold Ooh, Standard like is certified. out. No, it's out. Zenith is out. XR is out. Uh, Score is out. They just brought Zenith back. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, just Prism and Flawless. That's it. That's right. And I did have in my notes here that we can't cut it because of Kaboom, but Crown Royale might be my least favorite set that's yeah. ever made. I think there's yeah. a lot of products for so sure ugly. that need some thought, some rebalance. They feel very one note. And then when you rip them in that mid-tier Obsidians and the others, you don't get your you're just not getting your money back from opening it. I'll tell you the products that I'd say get rid of: Flux, Recon, Hoops Premium Stock, Contenders Retail, which is Hoops terrible. Hoops Premium's dead though. That was one year only. Is it okay? Yeah. Good. Thank goodness. Uh, I would like to see Contenders Optic put into Contenders, so consolidate into one product. That was on my list of products. Uh, that's a little weird. Encased. And every draft product not named Prism. There is still Chronicles Draft from like two years ago sitting on store shelves. They need to just throw it into the ocean or the Hudson, I guess. So I'd like to see some of that stuff consolidated. I'd like to see the same thing from Fanatics with those cut products inserted into other mm -hmm. legacy products like Flagship. Sure. I think that would be great. Moving on to our last topic, our last mailbag topic. And this has to do with which genres might have the most upside. We've talked about this in the past. People have brought up things like soccer. So maybe we're looking for non-sports or you know, other topics like that. Doug, I'm going to start with you. What, what things might have the most upside going forward? So you know, when you think of non-sports cards and whatever their upside is, that's just not where my brain goes when I'm looking at non-sports stuff. Like Honestly, for me, non-sports is sort of my escape from worrying about charts and graphs and data. That's where I have fun, and that's where I just yeah. collect and worry about the nostalgia and the art, whatever the case may be. But I know what a lot of people are going to think the answer should be. Um, 
they're going to talk about things like Star Wars, yeah. which I famously said recently that don't care about Star Wars at all. I've never seen a Star Wars Let movie. Let the start. Yeah. Oh, I'm so mad in the comments. Um, Fair. But, but it doesn't it doesn't do anything for me. Same thing with Disney. I know there's going to be some Disney uh, talk coming up with some you know some of their releases. Uh, I, I recognize that those are massive IPs and there should be a lot of value there, but it's nothing that gets me excited. Sure. Um, as far as non-sports are concerned, my genre tends to be Marvel, but I think I've experienced a lot of Marvel burnout, and I yeah. think probably a lot of other people have as well. Yeah. We've just had a barrage of movies and TV shows, so I think I just need a reset on that, yep. and then I'm back into it. You're bringing up a great point for me, which is saturation. Yeah. There are rookie mm -hmm. cards every year in sports, new crops, yep. new players, new things. Star Wars, Marvel, there's not a lot. I mean, there are new movies, things, people get put into the spotlight, but there's not a ton is there a market for this year over year? And Fanatics said they want to grow the Star Wars segment significantly. Exactly. So I was actually really excited to see how committed Top seems to be to Star Wars. I thought Galaxy Chrome 2021 was the best product of the year out of anything. Sports, non-sports, Upper Deck, Tops, Panini, all of it. thought it was incredibly thoughtful, incredibly well put together. But the thing that I look toward when we're thinking about this stuff is like, what is the roadmap? look like yeah and we have clear roadmaps especially when it comes to things like disney overall not just you know the the mickey mouse disney releases but you see clear roadmaps from disney for star wars 10 years out for marvel five to ten years out looking at these super long cycles they are dumping billions of dollars into these franchises that is the number one thing that i'm looking for are the parent companies committed to these brands super long-term. Yeah. And when we look at things like Star Wars, we get that. When we look at things like Marvel, we get that, no, there aren't gonna be rookies, but things that I would like to see them really upgrade is some of these movie releases that come out. Yeah. You know, we just had an Ant-Man movie come out. I would like to see a higher, much higher quality and a release around that. So you're not really getting rookie cards, sure. but there's still a path here to do something. Yeah, that makes sense, synchronizing the two. I know sometimes there can be delays and things like that. I just, I do worry about the saturation of it. I think that year over year, it's hard to get creative enough to make the set stand out. And I will say one piece of advice, patience is the name of the game. If you can get the wax at pre-sale or release prices and it's good and you want to open it, Great, if you hit something big, if it's not something that you can't get back later, consider selling it because usually, mm -hmm. especially this new stuff, the Disney stuff when it comes out, if it's yep. anything like Star Wars and F1 and all this stuff was, it's gonna be hot, 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 and then it will come down sharply. So maybe wait a few months or a year to get those some of those cards on the secondary market. All right, that does it this week. Let us know down in the comments what topics in the mailbag you'd like next week. Maybe ask us what was on that forbidden podcast that never aired. Uh, Doug alluded to here. <laughs> it was That's too dark. Kind of funny. It was too dark. And, yeah, we uh, ranked cereals. It got real dark. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, maybe we'll get into that sometime. Uh, thanks so much for watching this week. This was awesome. I could, I could get used to this. I like being in this seat. Yeah. And uh, let us know again down in the comments. Until next time, happy investing.